best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of real proud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. All right, welcome to the party, pal. The mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Uh, welcome to the party. It's part of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to osirispod.com. Check out the vast array of arts and culture and music podcasts they have to offer. That's osirispod.com. I am Michael Shields, one of your hosts, and I have with me Two people who uh, have been on the show before, so you know them. First off, I have Doug Grant from Out West. What's up, Doug? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Of course. And we have Chris Thompson, also from Out West. How you doing, Chris? Not bad, Mike. Nice to be here again. It's good to have this team assembled because we're going to need a team. This is a uh, this is going to be fun when we're talking about uh, Disney Plus's Loki series, the about the famed Marvel trickster. It was a six episode run that just just aired and. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's 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 a show that um, it, it's going to mean a lot to what's going on in the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving forward. It introduced um, and just I don't really need to say this, but I'm going to mad spoilers about to go down. Spoilers on spoilers. Um, it introduced uh, ultimately in episode six, its finale, um, Kang the Conqueror, who's going to be. Uh, a villain that's going to be uh, probably the next major MCU villain. Um, and it was just a, a remarkable scene. He's played by Jonathan Majors, who's just, just incredible. Uh, but we'll pull back a little bit and just start out with some general thoughts. Uh, I'll start with you, Doug. Doug, what did you, um, what did you think about the series, about what it means to the overall, um, you know, MCU as we move forward or just any, anything you had to say about uh, uh, this, this awesome uh, little series? Well, when, I mean, when it first uh, was announced that these three series are coming out, Scarlet Witch, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then Loki, I was really psyched about the first two. And then I'm like, oh, Loki's going to carry his own series. <laughs> I've never really been a big fan of Loki's in the movies leading up to yeah. uh, the series, but I like how tonally it was completely apart from what we've expected from MCU. Um, and I really, I, I liked the I liked the comedy. I thought it was that it was uh, well-paced. <laughs> Um, but moreover, whereas I think we were all kind of wary in the beginning of the MCU where everything was just set up for the next thing, set up for the next thing. Here we have like this series has its place within the greater continuity and it's just like kind of a soft setup. That's what I liked about it the best. Absolutely. Chris, what, what do you think? Well, you know, we're now going into phase four of the mm -hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe now. And this is the first phase where we're really starting to see these franchises go into television series. And I, I, I'm really excited about that because the movies have been great. You know, we've seen the success of WandaVision already, you know, and then Loki is a nice addition to the ranks now, you know, and there's going to be further films being dropped too to help round things out. But we you know we're setting up this whole new sort of multiverse concept to the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's sort of been teased throughout the series. So, um, you know, in, in terms of Loki itself, you know, I, I really sort of fell in love with the concept of Loki being trapped in his own crime thriller, you mm -hmm, know, and sort mm -hmm. of traveling through time to the actual end of time and then battling and conspiring with versions of, of himself to fix this sort of looming existential threat to reality. So I thought there was um, 
you know, when I first sort of read the concept for the, for this, for the series and the plot, I thought I saw a lot of potential to really have some fun there. And uh, I was definitely was not let down. Uh, Michael Waldron as a head writer, I think he did a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. And some of the showrunners did, I, I really, I, I took something that I thought had some potential and it really sort of blew my mind. And I saw there's a lot of potential now here in terms of sort of just like having some fun with the series, um, Loki in general, and then opening up sort of this greater realm of the Marvel cinematic universe in general. So I, I just think all, all around it was a fantastic, fantastic six um, episode run. Absolutely. And uh, Doug, you, you mentioned it and you alluded to it. It's it really, it did, it st stood on its own. It's its own story. And also aesthetically, it had this look, uh, um, you know, that we hadn't seen before in any of the movies or any, any of the series at this point. Um, but I think, and I'm gonna uh, try not to spoil this, but it was interesting at the uh, end of Black Widow, and I'll talk very loosely about it. Um, that kind of set up the uh, post-credit scene, sets up uh, a next the next Disney series, which is Hawkeye, I won't say how, but that was interesting how that movie set up the next television series. And this television series seems to be setting up, uh, you know, a whole bunch of movies moving forward. We also, we know that Kang's in the next Ant-Man and Wasp, which is quantum mania. Uh, one thing we know right off the bat is these, it's going to get bananas with timelines and just everything moving forward. It's, I don't know what to expect. I would like to talk about um, Kang a little bit though, because I just, it's this scene that, that, that the way they closed it out, the, the scene with Kang and Sylvie and Loki, it was just one of my favorite scenes. It was what I believe is a masterclass in expedition. The way that he was explaining everything, they were using different images. Jonathan Majors is just a, such a talent. He's just incredible. And it really means something, you know, obviously he's gonna be this bigger villain moving forward, but it also reframes what we've seen too. It's not only about what's going, uh, uh, you know, into the future of the series. If you look back now, um, and you know, and the, the director, Kate Heron said it, she goes, I suppose by our show's logic, he, um, you know, he set up all everything for for the the whole infinity saga uh because he says i paved the road you just walked down it and she goes on to say i guess in theory he would have scripted that because everything has been predetermined by this one character even up to this point you know we believe we believe that these characters had free will but they in certain ways because of kang they didn't so it kind of does shape what you know what we've seen in in a really really interesting way and yeah, does anyone know anything about Kang? How bad uh, this conqueror could be, or any anything to speak on about Kang at all? I mean, I mean, I, I, I would say that he, he he's he's a wonderful sort of personification of like maybe a cross between like the Wizard of Oz and like yeah. maybe um, um, Willy Wonka. Love it. You know? Love it. And, and then and then maybe got a little Citizen Kane there or something like that. Mm -hmm. So he sort of is like sort of like. He's got all the good and bad parts all mixed together, you know? And I, I think what, what I really like about him is the fact that he um, presents himself as this sort of like uh, wizard who's kind of gotten bored with the whole game, you know? He's sort of, he's been controlling all these people's lives. And um, now he's kind of like over it. He's like, you know, I've had my fun. Why don't you guys take it over for a while? Um, but it's also kind of like the idea that he's also been protecting everybody who's ever existed in this timeline from something much worse. So it's kind of like, he sort of has this duality to him. Like he's mm -hmm. like, he's the character you love to hate, you know, because, but how much worse is it without him? You know, and, and he, he hints a lot about that a lot. You know, I, I think 
all the character development about him, he doesn't spend a lot of time defending himself. He spends most of the time defending the other versions of him that are worse, you know? So I think it's an interesting um, way to come at a character because most of the characters you get in the Marvel universe sort of, they're all about defending their actions, you know? But he's not, he, he's not really defending himself. He's just saying that, you know, there's, there's more terrible versions of me. So you're lucky I'm here and stuff like that. So I thought that was a really unique play on a character. And it's a unique character too. From what I could tell, he was pretty much made up, you know? He's a, he has some influences from some other characters in their Marvel universe, but I think he's, he is an original creation for the series, um, which, you know, I think gives you a lot more opportunity to have fun with the character himself. And you rightly say like, you know, um, at the at the beginning of the final episode, um, season, episode six for all time always, um, the character, the judge character, Renslayer, she leads on a mission to kind of go and find free will. And then at the end of the episode, you see that really there isn't any free will because um, he who remains has been controlling all of it. So it's, it's a nice sort of like bookend. The episode starts with the idea that maybe there is free will and you find out maybe there isn't, but maybe there's something beyond that. So I, I just think there's this sort of a lot of layers there that um, I, I'm looking forward to unpacking in him. Definitely. So, uh, and you know what? I, I did hear that... Um... And these are all rumors right now, but there's, I mean, Kang's, Kang's going to have a big arc and there's been a lot of talk I've come upon that he's going to, you know, he's got, he's going to team up with other villains in the MCU universe, traveling back in time to um, kind of recruit some players. So I'm, I'm just so curious. And again, I just want to mention Jonathan Majors. I'm so happy he's a part of this. He's, um, I know I've talked about it a lot on the show, actually. The, one of my favorite movies in the recent years is The Last uh, Black Man in San Francisco. He was great in Lovecraft, too, but he was kind of, um, you know, that role was just, uh, uh, you know, he, it, there wasn't that much depth. Um, he was great in it, but this one, he, he played a real nuanced uh, uh, situation, and it was just, it was, I was just blown away by it. Uh, speaking of actors, uh, welcome. Owen Wilson to the MCU. I I really loved um, you know uh, the character of Mobius, and I just thought he was incredible. The way him, I mean, because there's a lot of um, conversation in these pieces, and a lot of it was you know uh, there was a lot to explain and everything. So there's a lot of time that Loki spent with uh, Mobius, and I thought Owen Wilson did a great job with Tom. What do you think of that character? I thought it was great. I mean, it was. <laughs> It's another Owen Wilson character play where you kind of know, don't know where the actor <laughs> the character begins because he does that so well. Um, but I, I just, he was sympathetic, but he was also, um, you know, at that moment where we thought there was self-sacrifice happening and I didn't know if he was coming back. I was, wow, man, this guy's put on a real range in this role. When at the same time, I'm appreciating everything I've come to love about Owen Wilson because it's kind of like that <laughs> Wes Anderson Owen Wilson we have sometimes mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. After, yeah, I was I, I was actually bummed out when he when he did get um you know what was it what's it called when you get a uh, pruned yeah when he got pruned I was I was truly bummed out what are you gonna say Chris well I was gonna say I mean uh, um I um I want to sort of echo what Doug was saying you know it's sort of you don't really know where Owen Wilson ends and and Mobius begins you know and I, I think that speaks to Owen Wilson's strength as, as an actor you know he he does a really good job of sort of drawing you into this character making him seem more personable you know I, I me and Doug is spending a lot of time this summer out on the river out in the rivers here in Portland going swimming because it's been so hot and there's been a lot of jet skiing going on and uh, we kind of have this joke about all these people really having fun because they seem to just be going by just screaming on the jet skis and, and it's interesting <laughs> that 
you know, Owen Wilson's character's movie is sort of has this 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 sort of hang up on jet skis, and then you eventually learn that maybe in his past life he was a guy who owned jet skis. So it's just it just sort of really like humanizes him and makes you think he should be your next door neighbor, you know, like or a guy down the street or a guy you know you see at the grocery store, you know, and sort of takes sort of the the grander world of of Marvel and sort of just sort of brings it down to your feet and makes it real relatable and stuff like that. I, I kind of like him as kind of like that everyman character. Sort of, it, it, I think it's a really nice casting and excellent job by Owen Wilson of playing that role. Yeah, well said. Super, super uh, relatable. Um, him, just him and um, Loki together. It felt like some kind of like buddy cop comedy situation at times, which was a lot of fun. I, I always speak of this, and and I think of Thrones with this. I mentioned how there was a lot of conversations and a lot of time. I just, I love that when there was it was those two talking or. Uh, we're gonna. I'm sure we're gonna start talking about Sylvie here, but Sylvie and Loki talking. It was something uh, in Game of Thrones. I know, like the Red Wedding and a lot of the bigger moments and battles would get like a lot of the hype, but I loved like the kind of smaller moments where it was times like where Tyrion and Jaime were talking, or uh, Tyrion and uh, uh, Varys and and or Arya and the Hound were walking around having conversations, or or it was an amazing scene where. Um, Jamie and uh, uh, Brianna of Tarth were like in a hot tub and he was telling her how he became the Kingslayer. And I just thought those were the things. So I really, in this, while some of the action scenes and some of the things, I, I absolutely love the action scenes in uh, episode three. Uh, that episode's awesome, Lamentous. But the, like, the, the smaller moments where they were having just these deep conversations about things. And I was wondering, did you guys find it? I think they did a great job with exposition, but did you um, find it confusing or complicated? I mean, there's a lot going on. They were explaining this idea of variants and timelines and, you know, episode one picks up right off the bat where, you know, it's the end of the Avengers Endgame and, and we're introduced to the, the idea of the TVA and the sacred timeline. Was it, did you find it too complicated? Or I think they did a pretty good job. I think they did a great job, but I was like, constantly wondering if I hadn't missed or I hadn't been paying close enough attention to the dialogue. Like a lot of stuff, it seemed like they kind of unfurled it. I'm like, wait, was that explained? Or I just kind of mm -hmm. like, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it worked. I mean, like, I, like for instance, to give you a perfect example, I don't I, like, I was doing my, in my head, I was like, all right, alligator looking must be, <laughs> all right, we got uh multiverse here happening. An alligator. Okay. <laughs> that episode was crazy. That was, it, it felt like a one-off on its own. They were, they were already at, on um that wasteland planet and it was just it was you know i mean classic loki was great that was played by richard e grant that was just that was that was a uh, full of easter eggs too um i don't know if you caught that i think it was the uh biggest easter egg of the whole thing and not well actually thanos chopper was seen in that one but they also had the um you know throg which is um uh, uh frog thor uh, in Norse mythology, there's a story where Loki tricks Thor and turns him into a frog. And this story was reimagined for Marvel Comics. And Frog Thor, or Throg, he can be seen in a jar beneath uh, beneath the wasteland in episode five where he's trying to jump and get out. And I just thought that looked really, really, really cool. But yeah, Chris, what do you think overall about how they uh, uh, brought home the, the you know, uh, all these difficult concepts. And I know I was thinking, I want to ask you, you know, we talk a lot about world building too, and just kind of this world they created and, and the look of it or in any influence or, you know, I think aesthetically they're, they're taking from some, some, some films or some directors. And, and I was curious if you could speak on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I will tell you, I, I did a little searching when I saw that Easter egg um, 
of uh, um, Throg jumping in the glass jar. And actually, there's an uncredited um, um, voice uh, cameo going there from Chris Helmsworth. Actually, he voiced the he voiced Throg when he was jumping oh. there. So um, that was pretty cool. I found that I found that when I was digging online, doing some exploring of the Easter eggs present. But you know, I, I will say that when I first started watching this this series, I actually had to go back and do some education of my own because I didn't really understand sort of what was going on at the beginning because they just threw a lot at you. And then, then I really understood that, you know, um, this is an alternate time variant version of Loki. So, you know, so he created a new timeline in Avengers Endgame and when it happened in 2012. So he didn't he didn't go through the events of Thor, the Dark World, of Thor, Ragnarok, and he doesn't die in Avengers Endgame. So we don't get this. So this is, in my mind, this is like a less ex, a less experienced Loki, you know. So he hasn't gone through the character arc where he's sort of learned learned you know um his lessons from all his bad ways and sort of been redeemed finally in death you know so we have this sort of like more sort of naive kind of loki right here so and then, but once i sort of understood that and realized that this isn't the loki that i saw sort of progress through the marvel cinematic universe that it, it sort of made more sense to me sort of what was going on so th so this loki i had like i guess like the the real loki or like the the, the great loki whatever he calls him the best loki i think there's lots of allusions to what version of loki he is mm. but you know um the best loki i think is the best way of saying it um but, um, you know, you see that he takes on a, a new glorious purpose, like, you know, you know, Loki's have their glorious purpose and, you know, they, you know, it all sort of is the same thing. But this sort of like new version of Loki, this time variant of Loki hasn't progressed through all the things that we are familiar with. So it's nice to sort of see him sort of trying to find out what his sort of glorious purpose is throughout this, 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 this series, you know. Um, so that, that was really fun to me because I, I, I felt like we were discovering it as he was, you know, mm -hmm. and we already sort of know Loki's sort of like character arc already. And we get to sort of see a new one. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I think there's a lot of potential for some more exciting things to do with that. Um, but just speaking in general about sort of like the aesthetic of the show and like the inspiration and like, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed sort of the, the, like sort of the stylistic approach, sort of like how the film looked, you know, sort of some of the design choices they had. It's sort of, you see this combination of like, you know, high tech, but in retro, um, mm -hmm. and sort of, there's a wonderful scene um, when Loki is sort of being processed by the TVA and he's sort of falling through these different floors, um, everything. And sort of as a, for me, you know, I, I really like this dystopian film, sort of, I, I like a lot of sort of science fiction, speculative fiction stuff. And, you know, there's a, there's a film that came out in 1985 directed by Terry Gillum um, mm -hmm. called Brazil. Okay. And it's sort of the same kind of thing. You get a lot of sort of high tech, low tech, coming together and so I, I i i don't know if there's a nod to that going on but you know i, I could see some of the inspiration sort of being pulled from that kind of stuff and it's, i sort of like that all throughout the show you get to sort of um analog digital interplay you know and i think that like you know they're pushing buttons on a computer but what is projecting on a wall is like this amazing sort of three-dimensional sort of thing and they have this sort of real low-tech temp pad but they think it's sort of open doorways to times and reality so I, I think there's a wonderful sort of um, set production going on and set design and everything like that. And then that just sort of adds to sort of my bread and butter, which is just world building in general. Mm. You know, I just thought that there was just, there was just a lot of great stuff going on and really drew me in from the, from the onset, actually. I had read that uh, both Blade Runner and Mad Men were heavy influences on the aesthetics. So yeah, uh, we obviously saw how those two were reconciled in the way. Totally. Yeah. It's, it was, it's, it's wild. You wouldn't imagine that those two things could be married together in that way. And it, it really was dystopia plus kind of like the retro office setting. Um, Cause you, you, you mentioned um, just how this is a different Loki and 
I think that's what was so interesting about the the arc of the series as it moved forward. It was a nuanced and different Loki. And one of the main reasons for that is we got to see him fall in love. And uh, I, I think it was a really, really interesting love story. I always love love stories between like two weirdos and they find each other. This one was even more over the top because I mean, we're talking about a different version of Loki that he's falling in love with. And I, I, I can imagine that some people had a hard time with it. I saw Sylvie personally, I was able to see Sylvie as her own being. It not, and I know she's a variant of Loki and there's a lot to unpack there, but I was able to appreciate their love story because I saw her on her own and she kept mentioning like, don't call me that when it's Loki and stuff. But it's really interesting that he did fall in love and we saw him that and it's kind of interesting that it is a version of him because he's such a narcissist and he could only really fall in love with himself in a certain ways and it just it's it was really really weird but really cool and a lot of levels i love the like i already mentioned how much i love episode three lamentis like when they're they're, like, they're kind of falling in love as they're running to try to catch the ship and then they're you know the world's falling apart i love also i want to mention real quick that the idea of hiding in apocalypses <laughs> i thought that was incredible that's just such a cool idea and i love when they were dancing through to different apocalypses but uh, any thoughts on Sylvie, the love story that was in this whole thing, or what what it meant to the character of Loki? Because I think it allowed us to to see a different side of him. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think that um, it grounds his character a lot, you know. And in many ways, I mean, first you get to sort of see him land on um, uh, at the void, that sort of land, the void at the end of time, where that creature, um, that what is it, um, Alioth, I think. Mm. Uh, consumes all energy and matter but when he goes there he sort of gets like a crew you know you get like alligator loki you get classic loki you get kid loki you know like and he has a little group and and then sort of then sylvie's another part of that you know and then he has mobius so now you see like this you know this this version of loki he isn't so much working for his own ends you, you think he's not you start to see like maybe he's working as a team to sort of like all together like achieve some kind of goal and it doesn't become so self um serving you know and mm. then and then when you see him sort of start to fall in love with a version of himself so it just it, it does more to sort of reiterate that fact that maybe this loki um you know he i, I don't want to say it could be saved but maybe there's there's hope for him yeah. you know and, yeah. and sort of in in comparison to what we know about the classic characters of loki who sort of is duplicitous to the end you know um so it was just it was just it was just nice to see like a, a different version of his character and um also just seeing like the interplay of Loki's themselves. I mean, when they get to that, the, um, that, that, that sort of void at the end of the, end of time, you see like a whole different crew of Loki's, like mm -hmm. this sort of like more evil or like more bad. And they're led by president Loki. Like mm -hmm. to me, the idea of a president Loki, whatever world <laughs> he comes from, I'm, I'm so scared of that world. I mean, like he's actually become the leader of the greatest country in the world. And he's president of the United States. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a world that I don't want to live on, you know? So it's just, you know, understanding that there's there's levels of Loki and we get to sort of align ourselves and maybe some of the, you know, put this in quotes, the the better Loki's or the good Loki's. It was just nice to sort of see some sort of like altruism and some actually like some good ethical sort of things going on, even though, you know, the character characteristically, historically is not a good person. So it makes you almost want to want to believe in the fact that he can be saved, you know? Definitely. Yeah, and I like that. I like that Chris said duplicitous to the end because uh, mm -hmm. obviously you got Loki falling in love with himself. So this romance blossoms over several episodes, but like where they had me, I was like, all right, he's more of a sympathetic character now. Like 
who's going to betray whom, like <laughs> who's going to hurt the other, who's going to come out of this <laughs> and tricking the other. Like, yeah. and, and, and and like was, go ahead, Doug. Now I'm done. I was going to say, ultimately at the end, it ends up being Sylvie who ends up tricking Loki, you know, and mm -hmm. Sylvie sends Loki back to TVA headquarters, you know, maybe not the one he wanted to go back to, but, um, you know, TVA headquarters, you know, um, still, and she ends up sort of like, and it makes you wondering, like, is she going to sort of try and get all the power for herself, you know? So you still, you, you can't take that duplicitous self-serving nature out of a Loki, no matter how hard you try, <laughs> it's always going to be there. It's, 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 it's like, it's like the DNA of that character, you know, yeah. but you know, at least, you know, I like how Disney dangled in front of us a character that maybe there's a possibility that not all Lokis are as bad as, you know, we think they are. You yeah, know? And, I love and the I'm line. To explain that. Yeah, totally. I love the line when they're uh, trying to figure out what to do with Kang. And she's like, why aren't we seeing this the same way? And he's like, because you can't trust and I can't be trusted. But yeah. I mean, it's wild. And you're both speaking to it that that we're rooting for this guy because he yeah. is not someone you can trust. He's done some terrible, terrible things to some characters we really, really love. And, you know, it, we're finding ways. And it happened in the in the movies, too, where we would be he would, you know, all of a sudden be part of the, the team. But, you know, and you're rooting for him. But he, he like he cannot be trusted. He's, he's not a good, good person. But I think it's a fun trick they play. And it's something. I know we've all appreciated in like the anti-hero shows where you find yourself rooting for someone that maybe you shouldn't, um, you know, that bought the rights and all that. But uh, I can't go any further without just giving a huge shout out to Miss Minutes. I thought Miss Minutes was an incredible character. It was, uh, and I talked about it, there's a lot of um, exposition in, in the show and Miss Minutes was a big part of that, you know, explaining some things, but also Miss Minutes knows some shit. Like she was, she was on to like the, the, the Kang thing. She, you know, she knew that the, the, um, uh, the timekeepers weren't real. Just Miss Minutes. There's, I almost thought she was going to come out as some part of the, the, the villainous scheme. Miss Minutes was yeah. a really, really cool, cool character and added, added some fun to the look of it. Um, Let's, she knows where she knows where all the bodies are buried, you know. So absolutely. Oh, speaking of uh, uh, that, just made me think of how it, it really made it fun, and you could see how powerful the TVA was when they opened a drawer one time and all the Infinity Stones are sitting there <laughs> and they're paperweights basically. Yeah. And also, uh, you saw the sling ring in there. You saw a sling ring, and that's the one yeah. that Doctor Strange uses to open portals. Um, but uh, so we're kind of left. Uh, I love that they they they're closing scene their their post credits thing was just like there's gonna be more loki we got a season two coming and I, I thought that was exciting i wanted to live in this world i i hope we're able to roam the halls of the tva again and spend time there i don't know what they got cooking going forward but i just like we talked about the aesthetic which is so cool i want to spend more time in that in that world in that and whatever they created there i thought it was so much fun but at the end we found you know, Loki comes upon um, uh, Mobius. He doesn't remember him. Uh, B-15, a cool character, didn't remember him. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious where it goes. Does he does he catch up with Sylvie and, and try to try to take down Kang? And, and, and who, I mean, who knows what's going on moving forward? But I was curious if either of you had any thoughts about uh, where this could go, where you'd like to see it go, anything like that. Well, I mentioned in the beginning that I found the setup in the movies insufferable but in the movie <laughs> it works yeah so i don't know i i hate to follow like where they're headed with their phases through like all the stuff i see on the internet but mm -hmm. it seems to me like uh 
this was a setup for Doctor Strange to start going through the multiverse. I hear that uh, Spider-Man's going to be in it and that there might be Daredevil from Netflix and we might even see some of the older Spider-Men like Tobey Maguire show up. I'm seeing all this stuff. So it sounds like the uh, multiverse is going to be a wild ride for Marvel. Yeah, and for me, I mean, I think we're talking about a concept here, which is basically infinity, you know? So for me, I mean, I don't know how to really get out ahead of that, you know, because there's just, just so much potential there and that's that's what keeps me really excited i think it's going to keep everyone really excited but for me i think what i'm looking for more is just more this being introduced to more of these alternate realities i mean i i mean you showed me a taste of this town called haven hill alabama in 2015 it's a fictional town owned by this roxon energy corporation and like i just i want to know more like give me more like i'm sitting there with popcorn in my in my mouth just stuff <laughs> in my mouth just like you know at the edge of my seat wanting to know more about this this land and like how how does a company own a town and like you know you get rocks cart this giant walmart s like store reminds me of like you know the mega corporation by and large from like wally and stuff like that so it's just like so i'm just like i, I just want to be pulled more into all these different realms and like you know like um i want to just see more of all these tiny little worlds and i think that's really where you're going to sort of get me excited about it because i just get sort of exposed to all the potential and all these new realities and all these new sort of characters and different ways of seeing reality and that just really is just sort of that's all i need all day <laughs> i'm feeling that roxon is actually a company that's in uh the comics it's like an energy company that right is looked on as like ruining the world kind of like, like an evil exxon yeah it's totally it's totally an evil exxon it's it's an oil company like that um i just i was real curious and then doug was mentioning earlier what what we were gonna um come upon when we came upon these shows and, and you know as they announced all those things and doug i just got so excited when you said daredevil from netflix like that was my i love daredevil from netflix i thought they crushed that show um that was one yes, of like yeah um but i was always curious how these were gonna look wandavision was so unique i i love that um you know uh, falcon was cool whatever it was fun action Thing. It's, it didn't blow my socks off or anything, but it was still cool. Uh, but this one was super interesting. It was it was it was really unique and like uh, like we've been talking about it, it. It was its own work of art. But there's also some deep themes in it. I mean, redemption. They're talking about authoritarianism, um, identity, and what it means to be a person and free will. Uh, just you know, sexuality. Sexuality. I mean, Loki came out as bisexual. It was. Right. I mean, that's it's 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 that's. I don't think that's happened in any. No, MCU situation so yeah man there was a lot to dig into and uh, a lot to talk about here which was which was a lot of fun I think we did a good you know kind of top-down overview look of things but uh any closing thoughts about MCU anything at all Dougie yeah yeah to go off of what you were just saying is I don't th I don't think the storytelling style of the MCU was sustainable um I think these shows have saved it I mean we're for a while, yeah, yeah. cycling the same template with a different mask on the superhero. But now we have long force storytelling where we can, like you said, focus on smaller scenes, ones that aren't so action oriented. And um, I think this is a huge breath of fresh air that's been breathed into this universe. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well said. Yeah, I'm just excited. I mean, I, um, um, Disney, please take my money. I mean, we got, <laughs> we got just television series alone. I mean, I, I, we got, um, I think like eight or nine series coming up in phase four here. That's just television themselves. I mean, like, um, I'm just super excited to get pulled more into this world. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't, 
I can't say that as a child, I knew about all these different comics and stuff like that. I yeah. knew about some of them, mm -hmm. but I'm excited as an adult, you know, to just sort of rediscover some of these and to get pulled back in and sort of see how it all fits together. So, you know, I think there's going to be some really great talent, some top level talent here. Um, you know, the golden age of television keeps rocking on, you know, so I'm excited for the television <laughs> series. I think a bit more than I am for the movies. So um, I think it's just fantastic time to be alive for Marvel. Absolute Disney take my money. Doug, you're so right. It really, it, 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 it did breathe a, a breath of fresh air into what could be kind of a stale format. Um, you know what I'm really excited for is the What If series, that animated series that's coming out soon. Yeah, I want more animation, definitely. Yeah, that, there's so much potential in that. All right, well, you guys you guys rock. I really, really appreciate you both coming on here to talk, uh, talk about Loki with me. I appreciate it. No problem. Glad to be here again. And, uh, and thank you, everyone out there, uh, for once again joining the party. We'll be back soon. For all time, always. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.